Hello and welcome to The Boiling Point. I'm your host, Dave Plasco, and with us is Jeff Boyle, a senior business advisor in Eisner Amper's audit group. Jeff examines the everyday business and finance issues faced in the sports, entertainment, and media sectors. Today, we're capping off the 2018 NFL season, see how it matched up compared to last season, and see what changes we might see next year. Hey, Jeff, thanks for being here today. Great to be here, Dave. So let's start with the ratings for the 2018 season. So, Jeff, break it down first as far as viewership of the regular season and the Super Bowl. Well, Dave, to no one's surprise, the NFL dominated viewership again this year, claiming 46 out of the top 50 telecasts during the regular season, with the most viewed game being the Week 12 matchup on Thanksgiving between the Redskins and the Cowboys, where they drew 30.5 million viewers on Fox. As for the Super Bowl, no surprise here again, the NFL always dominates in the viewership where advertisers and these CBS of the world and Fox of the world pay these big numbers. CBS cited 98.2 million viewers, and even that was with a game ending in a 13-3 victory for the Patriots and had the smallest viewership since the Patriots and the Giants back in 2008. I mean, this could be attributed to the fact that maybe they're getting tired of the Patriots fans. It wasn't as exciting of a game. But the fact that they drew 98.2 million viewers is extraordinary compared to any other broadcast that can be put on television. Okay. Now, how do the 2018 season numbers compare to 2017's? So overall, there was a 5% increase in ratings from 17 to 18, which is pretty good. The average viewership was around 15.8 million. That's excluding the London broadcasts, which is hard to really tell how those impact the NFL being it's early in the morning and not in you know the same game times that usually the NFL is being played. And in addition, digital viewership for streaming of games spiked an astounding 86% from last year, you know, giving all the different trends in wanting to get these videos streamed online with Amazon doing the Thursday night games, you know, which obviously was very successful this year. And the ratings can also be attributed to the high scoring games. Uh, in the beginning of the year, offensive just dominated. There was one game in particular in Week 11 where the LA Rams beat the Kansas City Chiefs 54-51 to on Monday night. And this was the highest scoring Monday night football game in history. And the ratings for this game were up more than 57% over last year's Week 11 matchup. So I think that people love watching the offensive game, seeing high scoring and all this stuff. Nobody really cares as much about a defensive grudge match, which can be seen because of the Super Bowl. So I really think that the changes in the NFL to being such a high scoring league has contributed to better ratings. Okay, got it. So overall, a good year for the NFL, for the regular season at least. But there appears to be some work to be done when it comes to Super Sunday. So let's now turn our attention to many people's favorite, the commercials during the Super Bowl. Talk about how the Super Bowl commercials did this year. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the commercials because I feel like when we cited those numbers early on, that the viewership, a lot of that is just casual fans who really turn in to watch these commercials. These advertisers pay big bucks to you know, get these commercials on the air. And frankly, I didn't really feel that the commercials were you know, worth the money that you're paying for them. USA Today's ad meter ranked the NFL's 100-year game commercials the number one this year, and many felt it had more energy than the actual game itself. You know, The commercial shows more than 40 current and former NFL players at a banquet hall celebrating the 100th anniversary of the league, and then all hell breaks loose, and then when Marshawn Lynch reaches for a piece of cake. 
generally speaking, besides the NFL's ad, you know, I didn't really like any of these commercials. They were definitely not worth the hefty price tag. And I don't know where it went when we used to be on the, you know, Budweiser commercials, the great Doritos commercials. And, you know, what can we forget is, what's up? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I didn't see any of the commercials blowing me away this year. So let's look forward as far as lessons. What business lessons can the NFL learn from this season that they may want to implement for next year? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to say that it was another successful year for the NFL. I mean, the ratings speak for themselves. I think there needs to be a change when it comes to the Super Bowl. But the fact that the matter is, it's not the commercials, the city where it takes place or the halftime show that's going to make a massive difference. It really gets down to, you know, the teams in the game. I think the only thing you can attribute to the game, because any of these numbers are going to be shown, is maybe the fact that the New England Patriots being in it again and the LA Rams maybe not having the greatest football market really contributed to the decline in the ratings, although they were still, you know, very good. And then on a separate note, I mean, they came off of bad blood of the NFC Championship game. I think everyone in New Orleans feels that they should have been in that Super Bowl and frankly, I think the CBS executives probably wish they were because I think that if New Orleans was in the Super Bowl, they have a much better fan base and a better following. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm wondering if similarly in MLB, there was a, let's say, a Yankee fatigue in the 90s when they were in the World Series every year. And I wonder what the ratings looked like when they started their dynasty and then when they ended their dynasty. We'll, we'll have to have our statistician look into that. Absolutely. So now let's turn our attention to the Upstart Alliance of American Football League, the AAF. What's the early verdict here? So, I mean, I think that the fans are enjoying it. It's earliest course. I mean, they're getting nowhere near the viewership um, as the NFL, which can be expected. The AAF made its broadcast on CBS and drew 2.9 million viewers, which actually exceeded the 2.5 million viewers of ABC's primetime broadcast of the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder, two good NBA teams. But as you can expect, you know, as the time goes on, the viewers were going to come down because everyone wants to tune into that initial broadcast. So on Sunday, Arizona hosted Salt Lake on the NFL Network at 8 p.m. and drew 0.4 rating. That amounts to about 408,000 viewers, which the league is said to be happy with. And if you want to look by comparison, you know, a very polarizing figure such as Johnny Manziel, his Friday night debut with the Canadian Football League was on ESPN2 and had a 0.3 rating. So it's not apples to apples, but it gives you a little context of, you know, why people are drawing into it and that people are at least enjoying it. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's about managing expectations. You know, they saw what happened with the old XFL and the USFL, and I think maybe this time around they've tempered their expectations. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of news recently on the AEF. A lot of places speculated that they were having trouble making payroll when Tom Dundon, who's the founder of Dundon Capital Partners and the owner of the Hurricanes in the NHL, provided $250 million of financing. The reports of the missing payroll were never verified. And I think that this investment is far more than what's required for payroll purposes. If you look back to the XFL you mentioned, they lost about $70, $80 million in total in the first year. So if you see what these players are being paid, a $250 million investment is not just missing payroll. That's an investment on the future of this league. Mm -hmm. And I think as you've mentioned to me in the past, kind of the continued march of private equity into professional sports. 
100%. And especially in this league, you'll see, I feel like, you know, you can't just view this as a uh, sports league. It's also a technology company. Okay. Now, turning from the dollars and cents to the, the marketability, what did you like? What didn't you like so far? So as a startup type of league, the one negative thing that stuck out to me is that they broadcasted two games on CBS at 8 o'clock on Saturday. I don't think that they can do that at this point, having concurrent games. They just don't have the big enough following yet where I feel like they need to be putting out just one game. That way people are not choosing between two local cities and just getting as many viewers as they can at this time. And another con, which also could be viewed as a positive to some people, but the AFF is focused on the southern markets where the NFL isn't already king. I mean, they abandoned all the northeast media markets in New York, California, or the larger cities in California, that is. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, abandoning those cities could be a big problem for media coverage down the line. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, what I do really like is that the AFF has not come out of the gate with any promises and, you know, is moving through the space thoughtfully. They haven't been aggressive in your face promotions like the XFL did. They've had a really good relationship with the NFL, in my opinion, because, you know, the NFL network has picked up two games per week. So I think that really shows that possibly an NFL partnership down the line could be inevitable. Um, Maybe a developmental league or maybe it's just a league that the NFL uses to, you know, more or less put ideas out there and see how the fans take to it. You know, and then they're mixing it up a little bit. The XFL came out years ago and says, we're going to change all the rules. But the AAF is really putting in new rules, more or less as a response to what the NFL has seen, making it more entertaining, you know, with quicker games. They don't have as many ads in the broadcasts and then potentially safer. They've eliminated kickoffs. And that to me was the biggest draw of the NFL is every year they constantly try to, you know, more or less eliminate kickoffs without really actually doing it just to try to make the game safer because they do know that speed of the game, you know, when two people are colliding at each other on a kickoff because really creates a lot of injury risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tuned into one of the week one games and it was, it was interesting. It was enjoyable. It looked like they had a good crowd. So, you know, we'll see It's, it's, it's off to a fast start. It's, for the moment, it's somewhat of a novelty, but let's see if it has staying power. You know, wish them all the luck. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is going to be the app. If they can create the app in the way they envision it to integrate sports gambling, you know, I think that's the way they can turn this into a revenue generator in the future. Yeah, that could be the difference maker as far as what the older leagues, the upstart leagues didn't have is the technology behind it. So we'll see. But uh, well, anyway, thanks, Jeff, for this valuable information. Always, always a pleasure to talk the business of sports with you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to The Boiling Point as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.